Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Our second reading for today, which will be the main focus for us, comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 21, verses 5 to 19, also found on page 85 in the New Testament section of your Pew Bible, or as well, uh, you may follow along as it is projected for you. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he, Jesus, said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must must take place first. But the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues. And there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the chief leaders and prisons and will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defenses in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and siblings, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated because of my name, but not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. This is a reading according to God's holy word. Friends, as we wrap up, or I guess we're still wrapping up another election season, I should say, I think one of the common phrases we've heard, or at least that I've heard in the ads YouTube thinks I, I, apparently YouTube thinks I just want to see nothing but political ads, but some of them throughout thematically included the idea of having leaders or having us as a people having this certain sense of grit or determination or this spirit of perseverance. The notion, though, of grit and pushing through the idea of keep on going isn't new, though. The idea of pushing through with that stiff upper lift isn't new. We find, if we just turn back the pages of history, the Greeks who laid the cornerstone of this philosophical way of life through Stoicism, which encouraged their followers to endure pain or hardship without feeling. While it sounds harsh, 
Perhaps it's a philosophy that still resonates with us still to this day. Because it certainly spoke particular truths to the people of the ancient world, including the early Jews and early Christians living under the reign of the Roman Empire. Particularly true for the ancient Jewish people, the people God had called as the Babylonians destroyed the Temple of Solomon, only to later on be rebuilt by King Herod during this time, having constructed the second temple. And Jesus, as well, speaks to his disciples, telling them there will be a time when they will experience some very trying days. But whether it be the eventual destruction of the temple, which was ultimately destroyed in 70 CE by the Romans, or the Roman Inquisition of Christians, the destruction of these physical spaces did not destroy the bigger symbol, the bigger community that had no physical space. It did not destroy the people. Likewise, today we may face a number of trials, a number of challenges that push and test, stress test the foundations of our faith. And while Jesus tells us to endure, he does not tell us to do so alone. He does not ask us to bear it alone. For he certainly reminds us that we stand with one another and with God who promises to be with us to the very end of the age. We hear this morning in our reading from Luke that the people, they're certainly admiring this temple Herod built. They're admiring the gemstones. They're perhaps admiring the craftsmanship that went into it. And yes, I mean, myself, as I have toured around places and seen some wonderful old-looking churches, what's not to admire about good craftsmanship. They certainly have concerns, though, when Jesus tells them that no stone will be left unturned. For those people admiring the temple, I wonder what the temple was worth to them. Not just the amount of materials, the material cost of building such a temple, but what was the temple worth? worth. For us, even though those disciples at the time did not have a physical space, we here and now do. Can you tell me, what what is the value of a church building, if we were to reframe the question? What is the value of this church building? What's the worth of the wood, the nails, the shingles, the paint, the plumbing, the electrical wires that make up this building here? Give you a minute to, a moment to tabulate some of those things. What is it worth? Even better yet, is it worth keeping the temple as is? Or is there room for us to dream? Is there room for us to vision a lifelong vision of what stewardship of space and foresight would look like to allow us to move beyond the traditional and into a realm of dreaming big, 
leaning hard into the vision God has in store, into that future-proofing vision, using current resources we have to empower the upcoming generation. I'm not sure if there's a concrete answer to either the ancient people's question or our question. I'm not sure there's a concrete answer. But I would imagine that the saints, the people back then as well, who laid the groundwork for the temple, for this church, would not want anyone to bankrupt themselves over keeping the status quo. I'm sure that they would want them to use the foundations of what was left, but they would want them to dream, to lean hard into what a new thing might look like. Keeping tradition is fine, but it shouldn't be something that kills you. Building projects are complex, and it shows, apparently, in this reading as well, how Herod must have organized the resources, probably by unscrupulous means. And it shows how there's a myriad of philosophies and opinions that go into how we regard a physical place. In terms of how we regard what this kind of space plays in our physical and in our spiritual lives. It's a question that the people of God wrestled with as they, as we said previously, suffered the destruction of the first temple by the Babylonians. And under King Herod's reign, the temple was rebuilt. But was it still a place of worship? Was the temple King Herod built still a place of worship? Or was this sacred temple tainted by King Herod's selfish desires? Because what good is a temple? What good is a temple or a church if the temple or church and people's hearts are already destroyed? It's this delicate balancing act This delicate act of where we seek to preserve truth, where we seek to preserve God's life-giving way with the newness that is unfolding. The newness, the continual newness of God's truth that sometimes, and will actually, clash with our expectations of what comes next. Jesus certainly doesn't pull any punches, doesn't hold anything back with the crowd gathered around him. And instead of telling them, everything's going to be fine, I think he does the opposite. (laughs) Instead, he tells them that the temple is going to be destroyed, that they're going to experience some pretty turbulent, challenging times. They'll be betrayed, they'll be lied to. Doesn't sound that great. (laughs) Ow. But even with all these things, there's room for a new temple. That even if the physical temple is destroyed, this second temple with its magnificent archways, its craftsmanships, its jewels, even if that lies in ruins, there is place, an opportunity for a new temple that is constructed within the disciples' hearts. Turning away from physical buildings and turning more inward. 
How have the places of worship built for God in our hearts, how have they fared? How have they stood up to the past few years? Maybe they could use some TLC. Perhaps this is the season where we can rebuild and focus on reconstructing them, the places that we've made in our hearts for God by assessing not only just our current priorities amidst the swirling storms of life, but recommitting ourselves to those spiritual practices that enrich our lives and everything we do so that we live and breathe the life way of God. And certainly, yes, a sense of Stoic grit and determinism will be required in this process of rebuilding, knowing that our endurance pulls us into a direction that requires trusting in God's love, that will sustain us through our endurance. For as Paul writes in his letters to the Romans, we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character And character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. I'm sure we would like to keep things, or, well, I shouldn't make that assumption. There is a sense of comfort, I should say, then, in knowing that things can be the same in our hearts because it's what we know. Perhaps we're comfortable in thinking that we can keep things same here because this is what we know. But where is the willingness to endure? Where is the willingness to be daring and bold and listening to that new thing from God's Holy Spirit? Endurance this spiritual endurance, this spiritual practice of endurance, it's going to be required if we are to assess and either rebuild or show some TLC to the places in our hearts and in our visioning for what this place, this community of faith, will look like as well. Continuing in a small series, I guess, on stewardship, we find that as we focus not just on the new temple, we focus on what the church will be like tomorrow, the church of tomorrow. The name sort of reminds me of that place where you go to Disney and what was it, is Tomorrowland? I haven't been there in a while, but we're trying to dream now of what the next season is going to bring, envision what tomorrow is going to look like. And the session is asking questions about the fuller extent of what our capital campaign is going to look like, as you might have heard me talk about a little bit before. Some of you have already raised some really great ideas that lean into the call, for example, to be stewards of the earth that we find in Genesis. And I really appreciate that, that you take some of what we hear in Scripture in terms of caring about the earth and challenging us to think about what that looks like, putting it into practice here. Others have brought technical questions and brought their expertise into thinking about those nitty-gritty things that you would not want me in charge of thinking about. (laughs) 
I mean, I guess you could ask the fire inspector because they were not very pleased with my daisy chaining of just cords and saying, that's a good solution. And a few of you have asked how you can help, which is always a great question as well. And I would say going forward into this new creation as disciples of Christ, that this can't happen within the vacuum of a session meeting. It can't happen within the vacuum of a group of buildings and grounds who certainly are bringing their expertise and their questions and their knowledge. This is going to have to be done with buy-in from all of you. So as we hear speaking, as we hear Jesus speaking to the disciples, we remember that this church, this temple, is not complete unless each of us adds our own unique piece to the unfolding narrative we are creating here. So if you're passionate about ways that we can environmentally and sustainably improve our church, let us know. If you have suggestions to improve our uh, facilities efficiencies, let us know. If you are someone who is determined to play a role in creating a new chapter for what tomorrow looks like, let us know. Because this path that we will embark on is one that that requires corporate prayer, discernment, and certainly a discernment of how we give our time and talents. There's a prayer by David Livingston, who was a Scottish physician and missionary, who said, Lord, send me anywhere only to go with me. Lay any burden on me, only to sustain me. What has sustained me is the promise, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. As we hear our reading for today and the meditation, let us pray. Let us endure. Let us trust that the Spirit of God will see us through these times of trials, hardships, remembering that God is with us and that God will sustain us as we discern and prepare ourselves to embark on that never-ending building project of how we assess, how we discern the places we have prepared in our hearts for God and the ways in which we are stewards of a place of worship as well. Whether, again, that is the temple in our hearts or the place we care for in our community today. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.